0: right welcome to the church planting podcast we're here with Clint Clifton and Michael Crawford guys thanks for being here in studio with us today yeah it's great to have you here we actually have already recorded this episode with Michael Crawford but it has gone into
1: cyberspace yeah
0: (laughs) basically it's gone so Michael Crawford, you are the director of the BCMD, and that's here in Maryland, Delaware. I, as a church planter, talk to you and then also run triathlons with you. That's basically the context of our relationship. Yep. Clint?
1: (laughs) Don't run any triathlons.
0: (laughs) You cheer us on. Yeah. Actually, I stay at your house when I run triathlons. Yeah. You are hospitable.
2: You drive military apparatuses. Oh, did you
1: see me in the Humvee? Yes, I saw in in Humvee. Yes. That was legit.
2: And you've probably driven other things that are not like on TV.
1: Yeah. I got a, a friend who's the mayor of Quant- the town of Quantico, and uh, and I saw this Humvee on the side of the road, and I was checking it out, like, what's going on there? And it said, see, mayor, and, and so and so. And so I was like, hey, man, what's up with that Humvee? <laughs> He's like, you want to take it for a test drive? And I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> That's legit. <laughs> yeah. I took my sons and we drove around for about an hour. It was great.
0: Awesome. Well, we're here to talk about church planting. And Michael, you have a background in not just being goal-oriented and getting church planters out there, but you actually help the church planter be mentally prepared, mentally healthy to go into that process. So let's talk a little bit about your background. Why is that something that you're passionate about?
2: Yeah, I'm passionate about it because I was raised in a very, so, somewhat strict, conservative, reformed, Baptistic, theologically robust environment uh, with exegesis, lots of reading of dead guys and uh, catechisms and creeds and confessions, which is great and has it place. But I also realized that you can learn uh, a skill, have a certain aptitude to do something. And then um, things start falling apart. And what I realize is in the lives myself and other people, when the things started to fall apart, they had nothing to do with what we knew, nothing to do with what we studied. Mm -hmm. It was all the stuff that we kind of bypassed on the way to get there. So this idea of like holistically addressing every part of us because we are to love our, our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength began, began to be important just in me. And, of course, it started to be exposing me through marriage. And then you start popping out children. Mm-hmm. And basically your soul gets exegeted through your marriage and your yeah. kids. And you start realizing, well, I went to seminary and I study all this stuff. And I've been to all these church planting conferences and I've learned how to preach. And I I have all this, like, aptitude to plant. Why is my life messed up? <laughs> it's like, oh. So that's what gave me a personal passion and then I started to see it in my brothers and so it's like, you know what, we need to work on this too. This is really important Um, and so the majority of time I'd meet with a planter or a fellow pastor to talk, it wasn't actually about a theological problem or even a methodological problem. It was a psychological. It was how he was feeling, what he was thinking or what he was doing and I was like, Where are the books on that? How do we discuss that? So that kind of pushed me into that. And um, I tend to be a guy. I love to learn. So like on the way down here, I was listening to a podcast on the probability of life. So I'm always listening to some crazy stuff. Do you want to ask
0: a question there,
1: Clint? I'm I'm just here to listen.
0: listen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Clint, you... um, have been working with church planters for a while Mm -hmm. uh he's talking about uh just first anecdotally in his own life and then um observing in brothers around him Mm -hmm. guys planting um that there can be imbalance there can be you know we've got the church planted but personally as a planter i'm you know dying yeah what have you uh what have you Well, if
1: Crawford's niche is health, you know, and it is, uh, when I'm around him, he's always, he's always looking for the, under the surface. And I appreciate that about him, but my niche is just practicality. Like I'm always just thinking about how to, how to move the ball down the field in our ministries. And I think, I, I think about it like that because there was this period of time in my church planning experience where it was very hard. Like the work was very hard. My, my hands weren't good at it. And so every time I'd do something, I'd mess it up and that would make people mad at me. And that made me have to deal with myself and self-worth. And uh, that was manifesting in my marriage and there was all these things. And so I, I tried to solve the problems by just getting better at the craft, so to speak, I think. And so I just, uh, I just toughed it out you know, I didn't where, where Crawford maybe did the more healthy thing and <laughs> dealt with his, his own heart issues. I was I just toughed it out, just put my head down and tried to get it done. So and uh, the truth is in church planning, too, or at least my experience was there. It's a different set of troubles that you run into as as the church grows and things become more sustainable. But uh, there, it's it's an, for me, it was an easier set of things once I got past that initial, you know, that initial I wasn't ready for the emotional toll that church planning would take on me, though. I actually, we're going to do a podcast interview on this. But the other day, I was talking to I have a friend who's a church planner in Washington. He has uh, he uh, long story, but he was in prison for four four and a half years, and um, and we were talking to a group of uh, of uh, interns, and he said um, he said, "Listen, church planning's the hardest thing I've ever done." And I said, "Hey, man, you've been in prison." And he said yeah i was in prison for four and a half years i've been church planning for four and a half years church planning's the hardest thing i've ever done i was like dang so we're gonna get that full story at some point but <laughs> i mean that's real <laughs> yeah, right. yeah
0: yeah no, and we've talked we we did an episode in the past about just um having healthy expectations knowing how difficult church planning. yeah was. right um we'll link to that in the show notes uh michael so as you're trying to help guys, how, what does it look like to help somebody be emotionally, mentally healthy as a church planter?
2: That's a great question. But just to follow up on something Clint said, I think the two are, are, it's like an interdependence. I think that you need to actually get good at church planting. I don't think if you're just this guy who reads his Bible all day and you walk with the Lord and you're full of the Spirit and you're joyful and you have the fruit of the Spirit that your church is just going to blow up. Don't hear me saying that you actually have to work hard and work effectively and know what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? Like reading your Bible two hours a day and having a good walk with God is not going to make you a great preacher.
1: So just put a pause right there. Cause that, that every, a lot of people, a lot of church planners recognize that they're, what they're doing is not going that well, but they keep doing it like my experience watching church planner is is they decide sort of philosophically how things should be in seminary or at some point before they hit the field and then they begin to operate in that philosophy and it doesn't deliver the results that they thought it would or at least initially And the the prevailing thought of the day is just do it longer. Just be faithful in it. Right. And I think that idea actually causes guys to think, I'm doing the right thing. I just need to do it for 20 more years. Right. And that's, um, in most cases, they're actually just not doing the right thing. Exactly. And they could do it for 20 years and they're going to get the same result 20 right. years from now.
2: And some of that error comes from the pastor-planter failure to differentiate. Yeah. Because I think there's a difference when you're starting a church and building something from scratch. Yeah. Rather than when you're maintaining something and trying to grow something larger. Yeah. So think about a tree you bring home from Home Depot that's like six inches tall that they say, hey, this thing will grow to 34 feet in 50 years. And then think about, you know, I used to live around wealthy people. So when they built houses, they would buy mature trees. So they would come on like semi beds and they were already like 30 feet tall and they come in these 10 foot basins. Right. Well, some of the principles are same, but they're a little bit different. The little thing you got to protect it. Yeah, it needs a, a different environment. Yeah. It needs kind of different exposure. You can't you can't put it like, you know what I mean. You can't put the Joker in
1: Palm Springs and just expect you know. So not I, to mention we get the seeds from Home Depot. I mean, yeah, <laughs> not, that, that, that's really maybe more or less. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And so the point is, 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 yeah, maybe that's too far along. But the point is, is, I think. Planters look at pastoring and take pastoring principles into planting and look at a faithful pastor They go, look, John Piper's been doing it for 32 years. He didn't change anything for 10 years. He just faithfully preached. First of all, you're not John Piper. Secondly, he wasn't planting
1: a church. Yeah, it's a different thing.
2: It's a different thing. Yeah. But I I think they're interdependent in terms of, I think that what happens is, you must get effective at actually planting a church. And one of the things I think you're leading into, Clint, is change. Mm-hmm. You have to be mutable. Mm-hmm. You have to be looking. You have to be adaptable. Yeah. It's, I mean, Jesus is fixed. The Word of God is fixed. Salvation by grace alone through faith alone yeah. is fixed. But methodology is up in the air. Yeah.
1: It, this is an interesting exercise. I, I think you're right. I think that the job of a church planter is not a static job. You know, it's a job that changes every few months. Actually, yeah. It, yeah, especially if you're making progress, it changes every few months. And so, like, just for an exercise, I don't know if this will work or not, but let's let's play play a little game here. It, one word that categorizes what the church planter should be in the first six months of his church planting work before the church launches. What what kind of person mu- must the church planner be?
2: To me, he's got to be a people person.
1: A people person. So it's all relational in the beginning. You're yeah, beginning
2: I, I, I actually, shameless plug, <laughs> I have a book coming up pretty soon. One of the chapters is Don't Unpack Your Books. Yeah. And my, of course, I love books. Anybody been to my library, you've been in there. I got more books than most people. I'm yeah. more read than most people. But the thing is, is that when you first plant, yeah, if you need books, yeah, like, to me, that's a problem. Yeah. You should already had your education. You know? Yeah. I, I'm just being so to me, it's like, yes, yeah, spend all your time with people, yeah. all of your time
1: relational. Yeah. You're making all those deposits through seminary exactly. and everything. This yeah. is the time to start focusing on relationships. Right. So, okay. And then, and then, so the launch phase, church launched, and it's just kind of uh, in the first, uh, say, six months of a church. What's what's the, how does the church planner need to be different in that time phrase?
2: Yeah. To me, I think there needs to be a very intentional, kind of strategic focus on what it means to make a disciple
1: yeah leadership development leadership
2: development systems and structures Now, not systems and structures like there's the nursery there's the bathrooms per se but i mean like discipleship systems and structures how i'm going to take people from point a to point Mm -hmm. b is it clear is it simple Uh, Do I have assimilation? Because now I've been meeting all these people. Now people actually show up to my church. Do I have uh, a way to get them from showing up as a visitor to becoming a regular attender, to becoming a committed member and a disciple, to becoming a disciple maker, to becoming a sender or a sendee?
1: Yeah it 's the first time too, in the beginning uh, from like the launch phase of the church to the first time where a lot of people a group of people is looking to you as a leader right. and so leadership uh, leadership not just being able to develop other leaders because there 's lots of leadership needed throughout the church but but actually knowing some leadership principles and ha- this is where it 's very helpful to have had some leadership experience in the past, um, and lots of church planners that we work with their first time really leading significantly is in their own church plan. Yeah, maybe they were a youth pastor somewhere, but they and and maybe they thought they would be a good leader, but and then as the church matures and if it grows, whole different kind of leader, right? Yep. I mean, what what sorts of skills need to come online yeah. as the church gets past a year, year and a half, two yeah. years. And
2: I think at that point you have to learn to lead leaders. Yeah. You know, not first you were with people, right? Then you were helping people to become disciple, like yeah. Then you're identifying leaders. Yeah. And now to me, you should be spending the majority of your time with leaders yeah. who can Ephesians for, yeah. you know, they can equip people and you spend the majority of your time with them in front of the church, yeah. casting vision, leading yeah. the church from high levels, leading the leaders deep, yeah. uh, investing in them for purposes of multiplication. And we, you and I both know this. Any planter that's not doing that in the first, say, one to three years mm-hmm. is not going well. Yeah. There's always an exceptional guy mm-hmm. that we always want to base right, that on right, right. who just shows up with like a backpack mm-hmm. and he opens his mouth and 400 people are there in yeah. two years. And we're like, right. look at that guy. Yeah. But the problem the is norm. he's not replicable. He's just some unique guy with like he wears his hat sideways and he just has an anointing. (laughs) But you can't replicate that. That's right. You see what I'm saying? Well, such and such did this, but you're not him. Yeah. The majority of us have to actually work hard, be with people, train disciples, identify those leaders, invest in those leaders. Uh And because if you don't do that. The church isn't healthy. It's not going to reproduce. Yeah. It's not going to multiply. It's not going to achieve those objectives.
1: That's, that's great, man. I, I think that's true. And there are probably about 40 stages we missed in between. Yeah. I feel like skill sets that have to come online. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's so mind-numbing to be a church planner because just when you think you get a handle on it, you you got a new thing that right. you got to do. And it's not cl- it's not clean either. It'd be, it'd be great. You know, if I if I have a job at you know I had a job at Subway in college. You know, I I was I did this one job, and then the boss comes and says, "Hey, I want you to do this job now." I knew when it changed. Right. You don't know when it's changing <laughs> that's right, that's right. in church planting. That's you right. you have no idea. All of a sudden, you just look up one day, and you're like, "Now I'm leading leaders." Holy smokes! Right. I don't know what I'm doing, and you go to the Amazon and try to buy some books about it. But I mean, and, um, yeah, I was just talking to, I was talking to a military leader yesterday as a Colonel in the Marine Corps. And he was, he was saying he's been leading the Lejeune leadership Institute for the Marine Corps. So he he's the leader of all the commanders for the Marine Corps. He's like their mentor. And so, um, and so essentially what he was saying was he was saying when we're, when we're really young and inexperienced, we get coaches, you know and he said in the, in professional sports because there's a lot of money associated with it the older you get and the more mature you get in your in your uh athleticism the more coaches you get and the more specialized those coaches get but he yeah. was like what about leaders and pastors though the older you get the fewer coaches you get yep and the more you get out there the less specialized coaching you have yep. you're just out there on your own and it was a great image to me i was like i was like man that is so true the, in the time when we need the most specialized coaching, when we're handling the most complicated situations, there's nobody around to coach us if we're not looking for it.
2: Yeah, and to your point, you know, um, I, I love lots of different sports, but the Wimbledon finals was on uh, the Joker and, and Fed, Roger Federer. Is that sport? Yeah, it's a sport, Clint, where you actually, like, move and
1: chase a ball. Yeah, I'm into esports.
2: Yeah, I know, riding in Humvees.
1: So, now, you know, esports is the thing. You know about that, right? No, what is it? No, esports is like they're building arenas at universities now for esports as video games. Oh, my God. Like, no, there's entire departments, bro. You got to like, oh, into no, it.
2: no, no. I believe it. My my son <laughs> is like a, a whiz kid on Fortnite games. I know. I mean, that's I that's what they it, do. They, they like play has, other universities. Yeah, like he has like followers compl- around the world yeah. that subscribe to his channel and wow. all that stuff. And he's you bouncing should, around you, in these. If you were a good dad, you'd unplug the internet. Yeah, whatever. But. But the point is, you know, you look at, like, Federer. Federer has a box, uh-huh. like, a, a like seats. And when they go, here's Federer's box, it's his wife, his psychology coach, his strength strengthening guy, his tennis coach, his mom, his dad, his longtime friend, his financial guy, his manager, <laughs> his, he got boxed. You know, when Anthony Davis was recently introduced as a Los Angeles Laker, Uh, Rob Palenka goes you know Anthony has a great team around him LeBron James has a team around him you know all these guys have teams they all have Mm -hmm. squads and then you get to the pastor exactly it's crickets
1: it's like What's going on? Well, and most pastors don't want, they're not, yeah, I mean, it's not just that it's not available to us. It's that we're not seeking it out, I think. And, um, you know, being a pastor kind of inherently is about being the person who knows what to do. Right. You know, I always, uh, I always, when I'm training young pastors, I always tell them like people, people come to you as a pastor, they will come to you because they think you will have an answer for their question from God's perspective. And so, you know, that puts a lot of pressure on guys to feel like right. I got to, you know, I got to be able to answer basic questions and even complicated questions. And sometimes I got to answer, I got to answer them on behalf of God, you know? Right. And, but let's go
2: circle back to, to where you were going with this. So, yeah. yeah, the practical. So, but think about this. So we, we, we went kind of down like the practical part. But while you're doing the practical thing, what we're saying is if you're not adapting and changing and if you're not effective at exercising that and being wise, and then you're going to fail as a planter. But the other reason why you might fail is because if your psychology is jacked up, if, if, you've, drugged, if you've drugged stuff from your past that haven't yeah. been redeemed, you're bringing all that with you. So I might meet with Clint and go, "Oh, I just I had a coach call with Clint. I learned all these things, there are four things I was doing wrong. I'm going to go try to do them." But now you discover you're not really healthy. So you begin to do them, and so people can hear what you're saying and they can see what you're telling them to do is right, but there's something wrong with you, right? So now you got good methodology, jacked up psychology or whatever or emotional something and so it's hindering your effectiveness mm. does that make sense yeah so we we've kind of all met leaders who are great leaders yeah we love them when they're in the pulpit yeah but when they get out we're like i don't really want to hang out with that person right. they're just like weird or you know what i mean yeah. just like not nice or just yeah. not relational or 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 yeah and so what we're saying is you need both to make it. Yeah. Because if you have learned the skill, you can become successful and you can buy yourself some time. Typically what I've seen is you might buy yourself somewhere along the lines of three to five years because when you're obtaining things, we tend to close our eyes and ears to things.
1: Yeah. I think it was Lloyd Jones that said the scariest thing about pastoral ministry is that you can learn how to do it.
2: Yeah. Yes, yes. And so if your church is growing, uh, America likes winners. We like success. Right. We like we like the women's World Cup like because they win. The men don't. So the women's like they're popular. We like winners. So when we're growing, we tend to close our eyes and we tend to, you know, shut our ears to things that we see. So that's why you you know that's why I'll get called at year seven or year twelve of a plant that's now a church, and says so we have these problems. And when I dig, they go, "Oh, well, they were there in year one. Yeah, why didn't you say anything? Oh, we were growing, and we just thought and uh, thought it would check out. And yeah. it's like, no, it's gotten worse. Hasn't it? Yeah. Right. So what I'm saying is, yeah, I think you need both. And every now and then, the exceptional man can push through those things mm. and be successful. Um, But most planters are being killed on those two pillars. One, they just don't know what to do. They don't do the right things at those stages. And two, they're not healthy.
0: Okay, this is Josh. I'm going to jump in right at this point in the interview that we did with Michael Crawford. Uh, We're going to bump the second half to next week. So stay tuned. Again, we want to thank you for reviewing this podcast and sharing it uh, with your friends and family don't forget to subscribe on itunes or your android device however you're listening to this we want it to keep popping up in your feed we'll be back next week with part two of our episode with michael crawford